Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. We're going to take off in just a minute from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, maybe the easiest book in the Bible to find. It's at the beginning, praise God. Genesis chapter 1, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come with revelatory insight, that we can take your word and apply it to our lives today and enjoy the wonderful fruit that it produces. Now, Father, we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit and for the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all together we say, Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to talk today about the three levels of relationships, but before we jump into it, let me share some good news. As many of you know, we are endeavoring to raise $26,000 so that I can go into the studio in January and record a half year of brand new television programs. And as you know, uh, right now on satellite TV, we are uh, reaching out to a satellite footprint that covers over 3 billion people. Praise God. And we desperately need to record some new shows. And I've got some great news. We have a matching donor. One of our ministry partners has stepped up and she has said, Pastor Stephen, I will give $13,000 if your partners will contribute the other $13,000. My friends, I need to hear from you. Praise God. If you want to help me, send uh, the messages of faith and close walk with God around the world through the medium, the great platform of global evangelism through television, then partner with me. And I ask you to help me to produce these new programs. I want to be able to call the studio and book it for uh, the middle of January. Uh, but I have to book that in advance because there's a lot of team uh, members that have to all come together so we can produce these high broadcast quality TV shows. It's a big undertaking. Uh, so I need to hear from you. And let's finish this year strong. And I'm asking you to sow a special seed. With $13,000, we can do it. We've got a matching partner that's willing to sow a $13,000 seed offering so that these programs can be recorded. But that's how much it costs to produce the shows for a half year. $26,000. So please let me hear from you today. Praise God. And if you need a little more time, let me know what's coming in. Uh, shoot me an email at contact at stephenbrooks.org and say, Pastor Stephen, I'm, I'm going to help you out. I just need maybe a few days or another week or something like that. But let me know what's coming because I believe we're going to make it. I believe God's helping us to reach it. And I know that he works through you, his precious people. Now, in order to sow, it's very easy. Go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. Look at the top. There's a header that says give online. You can click that. It says tithes and offerings, and it takes you to a giving page. And there on the giving page, you see the word fund, F-U-N-D. Click that. There's a drop-down menu, and you'll see it right there with the drop-down menu, Pure Gold Television. Woohoo! Praise God. And you, with me, can stand on the front line of global evangelism. Hallelujah. Look, you don't even have to get out and travel. We can send it out through television, and it goes to over 200 nations on these powerful networks that we are on. Matter of fact, yesterday I was notified 
by the owner of the Holy Land Broadcasting Network that he wants me to create some uh, Christmas messages for uh, the Israeli audience. And of course, because it's broadcasting out of Bethlehem, uh, many uh, uh, Palestinians, they're watching it, and there's a lot of tension down by Bethlehem, a lot of tension down in the southern area of Israel, you know, as you get closer to the uh, Gaza Strip and everything. And so these uh, special Christmas messages that I can do will bring people the concept of love and 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 forgiveness and mercy and how we, there's only one solution, and that's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The world's a mess without him. So uh, as you're helping me, the gospel is going all over Israel. The gospel is going all over the world, but I can't do it alone. Praise God. So thank you for standing with me. If you want to mail in your offering, you can send it in by mail also, Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. And if it's for the Pure Gold uh, TV recordings, just write Pure Gold TV on it. And that way we make sure it's allocated towards that special cause. Praise God. So we thank God for this ministry partner. So we're, we need the other 13. Woo, come on, praise God. Ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you do. And he will place upon your heart the amount that you should sow. That, that's all you're responsible for. That's all you have to do. Pastor Stephen, I'd love to give you a million dollars. Well, if you don't have it, though, you can't give it. But what you do have, what you can uh, uh, allow you, you and God working together with, then start where you're at. A lot of people, they say, Pastor Stephen, when I get a lot of money, I'm going to support you. There's a lot of deceptiveness in that because if you're not doing right now what you can do, then you'll not develop your faith uh, and uh, obedience to do something later. So work with the Holy Spirit and do what you can do. Sow your best seed. And I believe that your year is going to end in a very special way. And I believe that you're just on a perpetual harvest cycle. Why? You're you're on a perpetual sowing cycle. <laughs> Praise God. Woo, glory to God. You're reaping continually. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, bless your people as they're sowing a special seed so that we can meet this budget to record a half year of pure gold television shows. Bless your people as they're sowing right now, right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. I'll be looking for your offering. And if you want to do something special, you need a little more time, shoot me an email. Let me know it's coming in because I want to get uh, booked and scheduled for these recordings at the studio. All right, Genesis chapter 1, I want to talk about the three levels of relationships. Let's go to verse 26. Then God said, let us make man, let us make man in our image. So in the creation process, we have God the Father, his Son, who in eternity past was called the Word, who we know as Jesus, and we also have the third person of the Godhead deity, that would be the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You know, when I was young, uh, in church, like uh, children's uh, school, like Sunday school, before the main service, uh, you know, me and the other young kids, we kind of like, we wondered what God looked like. And we put the question to the teacher of the class, what does God look like? And the response was, well, we don't really know. Maybe when we get to heaven, God's just like this fog or a vapor, and maybe he's, who, who knows what he is. But 
he's like us. We are made in his image. God has, now God is a spirit. The heavenly father is a spirit, but he has eyes. He has a face. He has hands. He has feet, et cetera, et cetera. And so we are made in the image of God. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Wow, praise the Lord. We should ask ourselves the question, why did God make man? And the answer to that is that is really because it comes down to the fact that God wanted companionship. Mm-mm. Well, didn't he have a bunch of angels, Pastor Stephen? Yeah, he did. But it's not on the same level. When God created man, man was created in the image of God. Woo, praise God. So we have the unique ability as humans to be able to relate with God on his level. That doesn't mean we're God, but it does mean that we're made in his image so that we can communicate together, we can have relationship together. I mean, imagine God walking in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day with Adam. What's going on here? Fellowship. God wanted relationship and fellowship. He wanted somebody to talk with, and he would, you know, talk with Adam. Hey, what did you name that Adam, that that animal over there? And Adam would say, "Well, I named that one a giraffe." And God would say, "Oh, you got it perfect. Wow, that perfectly fits uh, the personality of that animal." You, and what about this one? What did you call this one? And on and on it would go. They would talk about all kinds of things, and that's really what God was after. And of course, sin broke that relationship, but Jesus came to restore lost humanity back to God. Oh, praise God. So we see that we are created for relationship with God, but we also need relationship with others, with our fellow man, as we would say. So after your relationship with God, then you would have, if you're married, you would have relationship with your spouse. And uh, if you're not married, you would have relationship with, you know, with others, you know, your mom, dad, uh, you know, brothers, sisters, or whatever, co-workers, and on and on it goes. But we need relationships. If you get off into a place where you begin to isolate yourself. You can really get into trouble. There can be some exceptions to that. Um, I'll give you one. Um, sometimes in in the area of when men or women get older and they are seeking a closer and closer walk with God, there can be areas where God will bless that. I do know one monk. Uh, he was a priest for many, many years, oversaw a lot of churches in France, and uh, he retired as a parish priest. And now he's what you would call a uh, like a hermit. But the thing is, when I was talking with him, he, I, I said to him, I said, you know, those throughout church history who have gotten uh, into that isolation type area, were they, were they doing it to get away from people in the sense where they just wanted to be alone? He said, no. He said, it's, 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 it's actually the exact opposite. And he said it was for him too. What did he mean? He meant that he loves people. He loves relationships. But now that he's in the latter years of his life and he's not going to live much longer, he has withdrawn. Now, people can come visit him. I can come see him anytime I want to. I wish wish he didn't live so far away. But uh, 
he has just leaned more into the Lord so that he could finish his years strong, uh, you know, and just be a blessing to as many as come to see him through counsel, through input of what he's learned over the years. But he's no longer running all over, busy, 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 busy. He's already done all of that. So now he's withdrawn and lives in a little bitty uh, place all by himself, and he allows visitors to come. And you see that sometimes where uh, men or women, uh, they wanted to get closer to the Lord. but And that's okay. There's a place for that. But the normal rule is that you don't want to isolate yourself because you're going to get into trouble. If you isolate yourself, you, it's very easy to get de- depressed or discouraged and That's why we have a problem today with suicide, where people actually take their own lives. Can you believe they get so depressed that they kill themselves? And so they're obviously, in cases like that, listening to other voices, and those voices are saying, oh, just go ahead and do it. Nobody will even notice, or your life is worthless, and they say very condemning things like that. But when you're around others, there is the encouragement. There is an awareness uh, externally, even many times of how you're doing. And even if you tried to fake it, uh, those that are walking with the Lord, they'll be able to pick that up and they'll be able to pour in the healing and the oil that you need. Praise God. So men need relationships with other men and women need to be able to relate with other women. This is healthy. And if you don't have that, it's going to be a detriment to you. Now, if you finish the course of your life, like the like the uh, the monk I'm talking about, the priest, if you have finished the course of your life, you've only got maybe a year or two years left to live, and if you want to go off and just, you know, seek God, make sure your life is fully right with God, <laughs> and, and, and be a blessing from that place. Uh, and usually, you'll see throughout church history, those who have uh, been into uh, like a calling, a unique calling like that, people go to them. People go to them, but they're no longer running all over the place. And uh, that's a concept that's kind of foreign to the Western church, but in other parts of the world, like the Eastern church, or especially like in India with the concept of the holy man, I know one Indian minister is probably one of the most famous ministers in all of India, uh, just as spirit-filled and charismatic as can be. And But I talked to him one time, just one-on-one. I said, hey, what are you going to do later in life? He said, I'll, he said um, when I get real old, he said, I'll leave and I'll go up into the mountains and I'll be a hermit. <laughs> you might think, Pastor Stephen, that's crazy, but you also have to understand the Indian mind. And if you've been in India, and I love India, it's one of the, can I use the word exotic? One of the most exotic countries uh, in the world because it does have a heavy mixture of mysticism and uh, a spirituality. That's why a lot of the Christians in India, they're already kind of familiar with the things of, how can we say, the spirit realm because a lot of them come out of Hinduism uh, where they're in temples worshiping all kinds of false gods and then they get saved, get delivered from all of that. But they still have an awareness of the spirit realm and uh, holy men in the concept of the Indian mind, uh, and sometimes in the latter part of their life, they like isolation, and then people go to them to seek their counsel. And usually when they go somewhere to uh, uh, look for a reprieve, it's usually up in the mountains. So if you want to see them, you got to put your hiking shoes on. 
<laughs> and go up in elevation to about 20,000 feet and start looking around up there. Praise God. Sounds kind of crazy, but uh, different parts of the world celebrate different aspects of the gospel and what their concept of nearness to God is. Praise God. Now, let's go over to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 27. And as we're going there, I'm I'm, I'm praying that, of course, none of you that are listening to me, to me would uh, move off to a remote island and uh, try to live on your own. I, I would be 99.99% sure that's not your calling. You may think it is on some days when you have a rough day at work, but trust me, that's not your calling. You're going to get bored out there really quick. <laughs> you would probably have a problem with mosquitoes too. All right. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. When you have relationships, friendships, you can tell by the countenance of your friend when something's off. When you get to know them, you can just tell by the countenance, hey, what's bothering you? Something bugging you? I was with the pastor one time, a pretty good sized church here in America. They had like 30,000 member church. And, um, and he was upset. I said, hey, what's bugging you? He goes, ah, oh, and he told me what it was. And I said, yeah, yeah, it was about uh, somebody who didn't have very good ethics doing something that was kind of agitating his uh, him and bugging him. And I said, yeah, that stuff happens, doesn't it? And I said, it's happened to me too. He goes, yeah, it's not right, but it just, it's kind of the stuff you have to deal with at times. But I could tell something was irritating him. Why? Because he is a friend. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So we see here that we can sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. So what we're looking at here with relationships is contact and interaction between other people. Glory to God. And it's good to be in relationship is to relate. It means to be in touch, to be in contact, to be involved with one another. Praise God. Glory to God. Relationships are vital, and honestly, they're very needful in realizing your goals and objectives in life. I listened to a documentary years back of probably the best drummer in the world, and he said, you know, he said that was his goal in life, to become the number one drummer in the world. And he practiced anywhere from five hours a day or longer, but minimum five hours a day. And he said, I will be so good that there is no way that I can't get to the top. But he found out, now this is wild. He found out later after he was so good, he, he realized you can't get to the top, though, without relationships. If those other band members don't like you, they're not going to have you on their band, no matter how good you are. So he said, it's all about relationships. Now, yes, you need to be good. You have, you, you should, you're going to have to have the skills. You can't fake that. And we're not looking at being fake anyhow. We want to be authentic. So you're going to have to have the skills. But he realized you have to have relationship skills as well. You've got to be able to get along with people. And when you're in relationships, you learn to yield. You learn to say, well, why don't you go first this time? Or, you know, whatever the case might be. And these things help develop you as a human. Praise God, which is why you don't want to get isolated. You get isolated, and especially if you're a young person, and three or five years pass, and suddenly you pop out of high school, but you're not developed. 
and you can't you can't talk properly, and then you get thrust maybe into a work career type uh, job setting, and you don't have the communication skills. You're still like in junior high mentally, and uh, it can really hold you back. It really will. So in order for the glorious destiny that God has tagged on your life to be fulfilled, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. Now, we are dependent on God, but God also works through people, and you're going to need relationships. You're going to need connections, and that's what we're talking about today. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Good relationships. They sharpen you, and... uh, Here's the thing, though. While good relationships sharpen you, bad relationships can really, really hurt you because you cannot sharpen iron with a block of wood. It's not going to work. First of all, it's going to dull the iron, and second of all, it's going to cut away on the wood, and it's going to be a detriment to the wood. So neither one are a good fit. What does this mean? Well, it means uh, birds of a feather flock together. Woo, praise God. Amen. You need to have good friendships, be in the right flock, be in the right tribe, be amongst the right people, moving in the right direction. Woo, praise God. I tell you, as we're talking about this today, I think some of you, perhaps, you may need to consider prayerfully pruning some of your relationships, because there could be some that uh, are actually undermining your forward progress. Praise God. And this uh, this is very, very important, because you have to be selective in your friendships. Wrong relationships can be devastating, heartbreaking. They can be dream-killing, and they can even be vision-destroying. Wow. Abraham's relationship with Lot caused his own ability to see visually. It it caused it to be impaired. I mean, it was, you talking about putting some blinders on, you hang around with Lot, they're going to come on you. And they did. And God did not talk about the further plan that he had with Abraham until Lot was out of there. And uh, Abraham never should have brought him, uh, brought him along with him in the first place. Now let's look at this very quickly. Genesis chapter 13 I'm so glad that you're here with me today. God's taking you to the top. Amen. And you know what? I believe you're going to take some others with you. Mm -mm. Praise God. Amen. Genesis 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. Can you believe that until Lot left, Abraham's ability to look up and see with prophetic vision was like, just like dulled down. But after Lot left, God started talking. Uh, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants, the Jewish people, forever. Woo, praise God. Amen. So Abraham's relationship with Lot blurred, muddied, his vision, and he could not see nor walk into the inheritance that God had for him until Lot was out, was off the scene. Mm-mm. By the way, Lot was a righteous man, but he was not a holy man. You can tell that by where he went to go live. <laughs> He's going to move right over the Sodom, and it says in Scripture that the sin of the people of Sodom was very great in the eyes of the Lord, and that they deliberately sinned against the Lord. They knew what they were doing was wrong, and they pushed it. 
and they knew that God objected to it, and they pushed it even further, knowing that it agitated and grieved the heart of God. And you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-mm. An eternal warning against all of those who go down that path. Praise the Lord. But we also see other scriptures. You think about Rehoboam, Solomon's son, and when it was time for him to arise to the throne, uh, the people said, hey, you know, your dad, we loved him, but man, the taxes were just like enormous. Can you, can you give us a tax break? <laughs> we were taxed on everything. And uh, he went for counsel. The older men counseled him and said, be nice to the people, give them a break, they'll serve you forever. And then he looked over to his young friends and said, what do y'all say? And his young buddies said, oh, don't give them a break at all. He said, you put them under the grind and you, you show them who the boss is and you just take dominion over them and stomp on them and you're the king. And he went with the counsel of the young people, which was very foolish. And I tell you what, it the... the it split the kingdom in half. And so then after that, you had a northern kingdom and you had a southern kingdom and everybody in the northern kingdom went off into apostasy. You're talking about a mess. Why? Bad relationships. Hey, Rehoboam, you got some real losers as friends. And he listened to them and it uh, caused a major uh, self-implosion. Wow. What about the prodigal son that Jesus referred to that ran off with his father's money? And, you, and ran off with his buddies. They said, come on, man, get the money. Come on, let's go have some fun. Let's go party. And he listened to them. And he did. And he did. Where did he end up at? The pig pen. Hungry. Broke. <laughs> what is wisdom? The ability to anticipate a consequence. Hey, this is not going to work out right. Who do you think you are telling me that? My friends have said it's going to be okay. Oh, Okay. Go ahead. After you've had your crash and slammed into the wall, we'll talk later down the road after we have to pick up the pieces. Woo, praise the Lord. Are we having fun today? Amen. Praise God. What about Amnon? He he had some lust problems, didn't he? Oh, but there's old Jonadab. Why is it that there's always a Jonadab, like some weird... Dude, I mean, the Bible says that he was very wise and cunning, but in the Hebrew, it carries the connotation of shrewd and evil. In other words, he, he's got some insight. Oh, he's a real smart dude, but it's, it's a twisted form of wisdom. It's not the wisdom of God. It's, it's sinister. It's like how to get what you want. And here's the thing about these Jonadabs. They know it's wrong what they're telling you to do. And they probably wouldn't do it themselves because they know either you're going to get in jail or you're going to get in trouble or this is not going to be good. But uh, they want to see you do it and maybe kind of like live the experience through you. But they'll let you take the fall. (laughs) So he cancels Amnon on how to get the girl. Uh and Amnon, who would have thought, hey, give, give it a few more months. Not only did you get the girl, you got, now you're dead. You got killed. Yeah, you really, uh, you know, you know the story. He, he rapes his sister. And it's, it's a mess. But it said there in the Bible for us to read. And how did they get into this situation? Bad counsel, bad friendships. But Pastor Stephen, uh, uh, Jonadab was the nephew of King David. Yeah. There's always some pervert, it seems like, floating around out there who's willing to whisper trash into your ear if you're willing to pretend that your ear is a garbage can. You got to watch out for these bad friendships. Always watch out for the third voice. What's the third voice? 
Well, in the garden, you had Adam and Eve, and here comes the old snake. It's the third voice that will try to speak contrary to what God said. Comes in real sneaky, too, real slithery. Watch out for the serpent tongue. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're talking about relationships. Praise God. Let's talk for a moment about good relationships. David's throne, in some ways, was preserved initially because of the solid good relationship that we that he had with Jonathan, where Jonathan's not a guy that's going to throw you under the bus if he can get some type of personal gain out of it. No, this was covenant, and they both understood covenant. Now, Jonathan ends up dying uh, because he would not pull away from his father, Saul, and would not go over completely with David. But at the same time, he never, ever betrayed David. And that really helped David to get through some very difficult times. And we have to look at Elisha. Where would Elisha be without Elijah? And you have to admit, Elijah was one rough dude around the edges, wearing like camel's leather type hair and living out in the wild. I mean, he was a rough guy. And all the other prophets probably thought, hey, I, we're not... We're not letting him into our group. But yet Elijah, because of that anointing and that radical edge on him, he rose to be the most pre preeminent prophet in all of Israel. And still is, in a sense, uh, when you think about like pure prophetic gifting, you think about Elijah. But Elisha was willing to kind of like tolerate and put up with some of the uh, quirks and strange mannerisms of Elijah. And uh, in other words, I'm talking about relationships. You have to be, it's give and take. <laughs> I think the other prophets, they couldn't give with Elijah. He's too much, too demanding, too stern, too strict. Uh, he, he won't let us drink alcohol. He won't let us, uh, with the school of the prophets, stay out after 10 o'clock at night. We don't think that's right. Okay, well, do your own thing. But only one person got the mantle, and that was Elisha. But again, it's working with relationships. I mean, to the point where even when Elijah threw the mantle on Elisha initially, which was his uh, introductory into the uh, prophetic ministry, uh, you know, Elisha wants to go back and tell his parents and, and stuff like that. And Elijah just like almost like explodes in frustration, like... <laughs> You know, he's like, hey, you know, do what you got to do, but we need to get going here. I mean, he was, he was intense. He was intense. Some people, they think they want revival. They don't know the price tag of revival. Some people think, I want to get close to minister so-and-so. Well, you don't know what he's actually like when you're close to him. Remember, it's like in the king's court. The closer you get to the king, whether you're the baker or the butler, you better be on your toes. Why? Because you're serving the king. He's not a normal person. Don't think for a moment that he is. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, interesting concepts, fun things to explore at a different time. But relationships, uh, they really can either make you or they can greatly, greatly hinder you. Uh, the Corinthian church, Paul talked to them about this because they were greatly gifted in the area of, you know, the spiritual gifts, prophecy, etc. But Paul gave them a pretty, pretty sobering warning. Let's take a look at this. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. 
Evil company corrupts good habits. Some translations say evil company or bad company corrupts good morals. It's the same thing. And I've heard it over the years. I'm sure you have too. Oh, I, that's okay, Pastor Stephen. I can hang out with that person. I'm going to witness to them and change them. No, you're not strong enough to witness to them. They're going to change you and you're outnumbered. There's 10 of them. There's only one of you. And if you're hanging out with them, going out to drink with them after work uh, and stuff like that, watch out because it is very deceptive uh, hanging around with people that do not love God, do not serve God, even so-called Christian people that have no heart to serve the Lord and are very casual, and they will, they will put your fire out. They'll throw water on your fire. But we are told by Paul to not be deceived in this area concerning bad friendships, bad relationships, corrupt good habits, they destroy good morals. If you get around somebody that uses profanity, trust me, give it a couple of weeks and that's all you're hearing them do, it'll start to pop out of your mouth. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. The word deceive in the, word, in the Greek is the word planao, and it means to stray away from truth. It means to go away from the path. And in the Greek, it actually carries a meaning of being self Deceived, where you can self-deceive yourself and you can say, I can hang around in this. I, I, I'll be okay. No, you won't. No, you won't. Don't be deceived. Evil company, bad friendships or relationships corrupts good morals and good habits. Praise God. Don't be deceived. This is very, very serious. Your calling and your destiny is something that God has invested into you at a great price. Don't play games with it by getting into the wrong company. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The responsibility is on us to make good relationships. No angel is going to show up with a sword and say, uh, st stop hanging around with that person. That's not going to happen. You have to make that decision. Praise God. Now let's go over to Psalms uh, 1. Psalm 1, and let's take a look at this. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So be mindful of sharing your goals, your objectism in life, your vision with sinners or even with believers who have no interest really in the kingdom of God. All they want to do is get saved, go to heaven. That's it. They don't, they don't care about souls. Uh, they're not on fire for God by any means. So you have to be very, very careful. And this is because we see something very interesting with Hezekiah in the Bible. Let me grab a drink of some hot water. Excuse me a moment. Hezekiah, the king of Judah, recover, recovered from a sickness. And the king of Babylon heard about it, and he sent his envoys to Israel 
to see the king. And the king invited the envoys in and showed them everything, showed them all of his treasuries of gold and silver and rubies and diamonds and pearls, showed them all the treasuries, showed him uh, how his kingdom ran. And who would have thought, who would have thought that they're going to come back later and take everything that was shown to them? Matter of fact, when those envoys left, the prophet Isaiah came to the king and said, hey, who were those men? Oh, they were some well-wishers from the king of Babylon. What did you show them? What did you tell them? Well, I, I showed them everything. I, I, I told them all that we have. He said, oh, he said, they're going to come back and take it all. Oh, no, they won't, Isaiah. No, no, no. They're nice guys. No, they came back and they took everything. By the way, God's word said that says that was a test. And King Hezekiah failed it miserably. And sad, out of his own mouth, when he was told about the judgment that would happen, when they would all come and take it, he said, well, at least it won't happen in my, in my lifetime. Let it happen to my kids. At least it won't happen to me. What is that? That is an abandonment of your responsibilities to live solely in the selfish pleasure of the hour for your own personal enjoyment. Wow. Get delivered and get free. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let me say this. All of the little confidential deep talks that you have with sinners, they're nothing but traps in disguise. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that person understands. That person's not even saved. What do you mean that person understands? How can that person understand anything about destiny, about the weight of eternity when they're, when they're lost in their sins? And yet you're going to pour your, your heart out to that person? Well, I needed somebody to talk to. Yes, you did. You needed a good relationship with a spirit-filled, God-loving, God-fearing friend. Mm -mm. These other areas, they're traps. Watch out. Praise God. Praise God. If you let your heart be poured out to them, it's just like Jesus said, casting your pearls before swine. If you pour your heart out and give all of that, then what will happen is a spiritual parallel of what happened with Babylon taking everything that King Hezekiah had. And they'll somehow come through spiritual default and there will be a loss, a plundering of your purpose and your calling in life. You might, you might just abandon it. You might get sweet-talked into a, another route. How many preachers have left the ministry that God called them into to go chase politics? To go chase politics. Well, Pastor Stephen, they are conservative politicians trying to do a good deed. Have you ever been amongst the conservatives? Most of them are just as lost as the liberals. If you don't have Christ in your life, you're lost and you cannot make heaven. <laughs> You know, they wanted Billy Graham to be president. They want, many evangelicals wanted Billy Graham to run for president. And he was so popular, he probably could have won by a landslide. But he said, why would I step down from this high calling to go over here and be president? He said, no, 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 no. Praise God. Amen. What, what's going on? Your people pour their hearts into something secular of the world. And the next thing you know, the world has grabbed their heart. And it's also when the world got their heart, got their assignment. 
Wow. You know, Dr. DGS Denikaran, he was a great prophet from India, and he was known for not only great expository teaching of the scriptures, but he had a lot of heavenly visions, and his spirit would be caught up to heaven. And he talked about the time he was caught up to heaven, and he met a former pastor that had died some years earlier. And this pastor was always involved in politics. I mean, even in the pulpit, he would stop his preaching of the gospel and he would start talking politics and social social stuff and all of that. And uh, Dr. Denikaran said he saw him in heaven and he said that man had zero reward. And he said that pastor came up and talked to him. He said, oh, he said, I made a tremendous mistake while I was on the earth. And he said, I got caught up in all of these things of politics and what the world would put an emphasis upon. And I neglected, almost abandoned my ministry. And I'm, I'm here in heaven now and have, have no reward at all. None. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Don't let Babylon into your heart. Mm-mm. Doesn't just want your gold or silver. It wants your assignment. Some of you, you don't know the true value of what you have in Christ and the assignment that he's put in your lap. You still don't grasp the eternal weight of it. But I'm trying to tell you today, though, if you can get right relationships, it'll help you tremendously move forward. If you get wrong ones, um, uh, it's not going to be good. But you're not going that way. Praise God. You're not going that way. Praise God. Glory, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You are going the way of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And I've loved this verse for many years. He who walks with wise men will be wise. That's you. You're walking with wise people. And if people are acting foolish, and if they're acting stupid, you need to tell them. You need to tell them, look, if you're going to act stupid and be a fool, I cannot be your friend. I cannot be friends with fools. This is not going to work. If you do foolish, reckless, crazy, stupid stuff, we're not going to be friends anymore. Oh, man, you just don't want to have a good time. No, I don't want to, first of all, go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And second of all, I'm running a race. I'm not playing games. I don't have endless hours to waste and sit around and just, you know, watch the clouds float by. I Life is a race. I have a purpose. I have a, an assignment. It doesn't mean that I can't enjoy a vacation. It doesn't mean that I don't enjoy rest. But I've got a purpose down here. And I just can't goof off like many people that you see do. Mm-mm. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. The law of gravity, of course, it pulls things down to earth. In a very similar way, negative influences or foolish friends, they'll pull down the great future that you have stay away from them. Trust me, they'll go find other foolish friends. They, they won't miss you at all. <laughs> How can a fool even value true friendship? They can't. It's not even possible. So you make your choice who you walk with. It's the, you, you do the choosing, praise God. All right. Let me talk for a few minutes about three levels of relationships. And these are three levels or categories that we all need to have. Number one, you need a relationship with a mentor. What is a mentor? Uh, It's somebody that can pour into your life and you're basically learning 
from their mistakes. You're not having to start from ground zero and do this all over. Look, trial and error is the worst form of learning. It's so slow. And not only that, it's painful. But through wisdom, you can sit down with a mentor who's already been to where you're wanting to go, and you can talk to them. You can ask them questions. Maybe they're 20 years older than you. Maybe maybe they're five years older than you, um, but they've already have arrived and been at a place that you've got in your trajectory. Praise God. And uh, they can share with you counsel and insight because purposes are defeated without counsel. You can have a very powerful purpose, but without counsel, it's going to be defeated. And here's Here's something that you want to consider about a mentor. And this is why you need a mentor. The bottom line with life is that wisdom, and Jesus said this, wisdom has children. In other words, wisdom has results. You want results in life, not just hot air and endless talk and circular theories that bring you back to the same place you started with nothing getting accomplished. But mentors are those who've done it, not talked about it, not almost, but then it flopped. No, they actually did it. They have been there. They are mentors. And so you find out those who are getting good results and you follow their faith. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You look in the area or the field of specialization that you're in for those that are succeeding or have succeeded in it, and you gain mentoring from them. So you need a mentor in life. And I would say this to keep in mind, there is no perfect mentor anywhere on the earth. The only one that was perfect was Jesus. I mean, who are you going to find that's perfect? Not even Abraham was perfect. He he lied <laughs> at times. He, he had some uh, he had some weak areas in his life. Same with Isaac and Jacob. Well, what about David? Uh, you know, the man after God's own heart. Yeah, he had some huge blunders. So you're not going to find a perfect mentor, but you can find those who do love God, and uh, despite they, them not being perfect, they are doing what they're getting results. They're getting results and they are producing. And you want to consider that. We see that in the book of Hebrews chapter six, and that would be verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we are to imitate, some a literal translations say follow. We are to imitate and follow those who through faith and patience, basically have already done it uh, or inherit their promises. They accomplish what God has called them to do, or they are carrying that out. And uh, you can tie in to their wisdom base. So it's good to have a mentor in your life. And when, when it's established, I'm talking about a good relationship with a good mentor. Um, don't disconnect from that following. Uh, there can be seasons. Kind of, it's kind of like a book. You move from chapter to chapter. Maybe some chapters there's more involvement than the next chapter. <clears throat> it's maybe not so much because that, now there's a different focus. But don't disconnect from that following. Don't disconnect from that anointing. There's mentors in my life who've been there for uh, over 20 years. Praise God. 
and some of the things that have been sowed uh, into me and placed into me, uh, I, I would not have had the time to start from scratch and learn it. But I was wise enough to ask questions <laughs> and to re- receive the impartation of wisdom through the laying on of hands. Praise God. I see God bringing a really good mentor into your life. Praise God. All right, number number two, three levels of, re, of relationships. Number one is a mentor. Number two, you need, you need relationships with colleagues. And this is what I would call overall just friendships, those that would have similar interest. And uh, maybe like you're even on the same uh, project together or something like that. And you see what they're doing and the progress they're making, and it triggers something in you that inspires you. And the next thing you know, you're being pushed. It's it's true, like they say in business, that, um, well, I'll give you an example. Here in town, we have a couple of coffee shops. We have a main street going through Wilkesboro, and we've got Starbucks, and we have another place. Well, another coffee shop just opened up right on the main drag. What does it mean? It means competition is good for everybody. It competition causes others to raise their game. And there's, there's a good mix. There's a healthy relationship in that. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, years back, we got a Chick-fil-A in town. And when the Chick-fil-A came in the town, instantly the horrible customer service that existed at the McDonald's for years was suddenly wide open, unveiled out in the open. <laughs> Why? Because when you go to Chick-fil-A, oh, what would you like today? How can we serve you? And everybody's smiling and, oh, thank you for coming. Oh, it's our pleasure. You know, and it's like the whole enchilada of sweetness and Southern hospitality and everything like that. But if you went over to McDonald's, what do you want? You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, rude. <laughs> Praise God. Bad food, you know, burger tastes like a piece of rubber. On and on it goes. But competition is good. And there are healthy relationships, even if it's a competitor. I mean, when I was running track in high school, I had friends from other schools. We'd show up at the track meet and, you know, we all laugh and have fun and stuff like that together. You know, when we raced, you're, you're competitive, but you're still friends. And if they're doing better, you realize, hey, I'd better up my mileage and do some more training because so-and-so is getting serious and I beat him last time. But if you want to stay in front, you're going to have to keep moving. And relationships, they really are like water. Water will find its own level, okay? It's going, it's going to find its level. So what was level maybe 10 years ago is not level anymore. Maybe you got intense and you got focused and you, you pushed and you pulled and you pressed and now you're going up. But those that are mediocre, they're still saying the same. And they don't understand why you you can't be the exact type of friend that you used to be when you sat around and talked for hours under the tree and, 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 and uh, you know, had the challenge of who could spit tobacco juice the furthest. And you're like, that's not who I am anymore. Oh, well, who do you think you are? It, it's not about pride. It's just that I'm not on that level. I don't even think like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, praise God. Amen. So these things all get uh, evaluated, reevaluated with every new year and just keep moving forward. Remember, life's a race. You can't camp uh, because where you were at previously, others are still climbing, still going up that mountain. You got to keep moving also. Praise God. So relationships with colleagues, friendships, these things are good 
in my realm, you know, I I hang out with preachers. Uh, there's ministerial associations I connect with and things like that and sit down with other preachers. We have preacher talk. It's all good. It's it's like our thing and it's fun. Uh, builds me up. It's building them up. It's iron sharpening iron. And, uh, and it, it can bounce in all kinds of different directions. I remember uh, one time I was around a very well-known television minister. And, I, and I, I had just gotten back from overseas. And when I was overseas, somebody gave me a really nice Rolex. And I showed that minister. I said, hey, look at this Rolex that somebody gave me when I was preaching uh, over there in Taiwan. And he looked at that. And he kind of swallowed. Didn't say anything. kind of swallowed. like. And he looked at that. And I could, knew, I could know exactly what he was thinking. And I didn't really think anything when I showed it to him. I just have, I'm just being normal. Hey, look what happened. He's about, he's about 25 years older than me. But the moment he, I, I told him that testimony and showed that to him, I could tell what was going through his mind. This has never happened to me. Nobody's ever done this to me before. And he had a look. He had a look like, I'm going to have a testimony. And the next time I saw him two weeks later, the first thing he did when he came up, he said, Stephen, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody had just given him a really nice luxury watch, just gave it to him. And, uh, but that's what he wanted to show me. <laughs> so you can inspire people in very interesting ways. But look, if you isolate yourself and, uh, you know, go off and live on a remote island all by yourself, uh, you'll begin to atrophy in all areas. You'll, be, you'll just begin to pull in. Uh, so come on, get involved, connect, touch, feel, talk, communicate, glory, glory, glory to God. I mean, it, whatever your thing is, if you like motorcycles, you know, my wife and I, we saw a guy the other day, he had a really cool shirt. And, uh, we said, we said, what does that shirt mean? He said, oh, this is my own biker club. He said, I started my own biker club. Hey, if you're a Christian and you're into something, start your own Christian biker club, your own Christian, uh, whatever it is, you know, and have what? Have relationship, have fellowship, build each other up. Who knows? Probably get people saved also. Mm, 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 mm. Number three, you need to have a relationship with a younger person where you help that younger person. And of course, one of the best examples in this in the Bible would be uh, Paul and Timothy and also Moses and Joshua. Here's a great reality that you don't really catch until you get on in life. After 40, maybe 50 and stuff like that, you begin to realize that you only know what you've been taught. And if somebody did not teach you when you were young, you, 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 you don't know. Even if it was vital information, if you don't know it, you, you're, you're, you can be uh, carrying an absence in your life uh, and you don't, you don't even know how that's holding you back. So that's why when you do know things, you can help others. You can help a young person, praise God. And the things that you learned, maybe that you pray, uh, paid a, a great price tag to learn or uh, exposure that you received that others are not aware of, you can, uh, you can share that with them. If you're, if you're a mature, older woman, you can work with a younger uh, girl, maybe that's still in junior high or just getting into high school, and you can help them with makeup and how to do their hair. You can teach them how to dress properly. You can explain to them how perfume works and stuff like that. Uh, you, could, you could even start uh, developing a young person and, and saying, now this, this is how you start your own business, and I'm going to teach you these things so that I can get you ahead of the curve. Woo! Why? Because you only know what you've been taught. 
Look, did anybody teach you about money when you were in elementary school? Now, if you had Jewish parents, they did. If you went to synagogue, they did. But if you were like me and you just grew up, you know, uh, you know, we lived in a rural area, go, went to a public school. No, nobody ever told you. They didn't tell you how to balance a checkbook or anything like that. They, they certainly didn't tell you about stocks, bonds, dividends, or investing at an early age like Warren Buffett was taught. Mm, how did he learn that? Exposure. And when he was exposed to it at an early age, he liked it. And when you start young like that, you're, by the time others are finding out about it, you're, you're already so far ahead, they'll never catch you. But you can, you can help a younger person. And if you're a guy, you can find a younger guy, uh, maybe that's in high school or something like that, or, and you could begin to encourage that person. Tell him how to shake hands, not like a dead fish. No, a good, firm handshake. Look the other person in the eye and begin to let the manhood of Christ that is in you, be, let that transfer that person who maybe is underdeveloped, who maybe was neglected by their parents, was like a, you know, left, uh, a left alone child where they just grow up watching whatever is on TV and eating snacks out of the cupboard. Maybe they've never even had a good meal. And you can teach them how to cook a hamburger on a grill or whatever the case might be and have fun and have fun and teach the person about uh, the basics of money. Teach the person about tithing. Now, 10% belongs to God, okay? Uh, and you, you start just pouring into that person. You know, every Jewish father believes that he has five responsible tasks to teach the son. One of those is to teach him Torah. This is mentioned in the Talmud, not in the Bible, but in the Talmud, which is a commentary on the Old Testament. Uh, on the Old Testament. Uh, one of those is to teach him Torah, which would be the first five books of the Bible, so that he can memorize it. And the other is to teach him a trade. Pastor Stephen, when I grow up, I want to do this for a living. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. How much does that job pay? Well, I've never thought about that. Well, I have. It doesn't pay very much money. You're probably going to starve if you do that job. <laughs> well, maybe I should do something else. Yes, every Jewish father would raise the son to have a trade. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, we'll let the public school system teach them. We'll let them develop that. Uh, you're going to be way, way behind the curve. So what can you do? You can begin to prep that person say, hey, I see this in your life. I see calling potential in your life in this area. Hey, I've got some open doors over here, you know, and you can, you can help in those areas. Woo, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to God. My friends, you need to press forward in these areas. So these are the three levels of relationship, a relationship with a mentor, a relationship with your friends, your colleagues, and relationship with a younger person. That, in a sense, is sowing. And when you sow, blessing comes back. Blessing comes back. Praise God. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. I pray that you're surrounded by good friends, like you're surrounded by beautiful flowers. Amen. No, no prickly thorns, though. Nothing that would hurt you. <laughs> no fake friendships. In other words, it'll hurt you later. No thornless friends. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people that are watching right now that you bless them with some good friends. I know, Father, there's a few lonely people that are out there watching me, and their hearts feel sad because they've, they, they want to talk, they want to communicate, but it's almost like they, there's nobody to talk to. And the pet dog or the pet cat, it's not very satisfactory, just like Adam figured out. Father, help them. Give them some good friendships, some really good Christian, solid Christian friendships 
in Jesus' name, and that it begin to build stronger and stronger. I thank you, Father God. I pray you help them to begin to filter out any detrimental friendships that would undermine them, that would even even blatantly would try to tempt them off the path of righteousness. Let them filter that out. We give you all of the praise. Strengthen your people. I thank you that they are wise and they are going to run with those who are wise in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo. And amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I know your heart is happy. Now, for those of you that are watching, but you don't know Jesus, he wants to be your best friend and he really, he really can be your best friend. But if you don't know him, it's time to get your life right with God today. I want you to pray with me. Now, if you used to be a Christian, but you fell away, you fell away from the love of God and the friendship of God, and you got off in the sin. Well, come on back, repent, turn from all of that. Come on back. Jesus will restore you right back into the right relationship with him right now. Okay. But let's all pray together. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I repent of them. Jesus, save me now. Be my best friend. Come into my life through your precious blood. Wash all my sins away and write my name in your book of life. Thank you for saving me. In your name, I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. We are your friends. Praise God. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord forever. Now, let's take Holy Communion today. I want you to grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. We're going to take communion. Praise the Lord. If you are a Christian, you can take Holy Communion anywhere you're at, anytime you want. And let's, let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it and we set it apart as being holy. We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. The Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you that, that Jesus said, no greater love can a man have than to lay down his life for a friend. We thank you that Jesus laid his life down for us. Thank you. We thank you that he is our best friend. We believe that, and we receive that as we now receive his body. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. I know one prophet, he had Satan appear to him and offered him all kinds of things if he would come over to the dark side and serve Satan and be his prophet. And, uh, and, and, you know, fame was offered to him. Wealth was offered to him. And the devil just threw everything in the whole kitchen sink. And uh, this prophet said, no. And Satan said, why not? I've offered you so much. He said, but you never died for me on the cross. See, Jesus did. Jesus died for you. He, he loves you so much, and he is your friend. He is the only friend that laid his life down for you completely. Wow. So that's your friend. That's your true friend. Amen. Some of you think you have friends, 
But the, any shaking, they'd throw you under the bus in a second. What I mean by that, that's like a word expression that means they would, they're not, they're not really invested in you. You're just a fair weather friend. But I'm talking thick, true friendships. Those can only be found in Christ. Wow. Because that's where all friendship is sourced out of, from the heart of God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you. We received it now with great thanksgiving. We thank you for protection, health, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive together. Praise God. My friends, think about your friendships today. And also thank you for standing with me in faith and praying believing and giving so that we can meet this budget of 26k we have a partner putting up 13 but that's only a matching 13 we've got to have the other 13 i'm trusting to hear from you let your friend jesus speak to your heart right now by the holy spirit thanks for watching thanks for giving thank you for helping me to take this message of jesus's saving power and faith in god around the world have a great week. I'll see you back real soon. Bye-bye.